Hey, everybody. I'm Jen Garrett. My passion for football and pushing boundaries has helped me to create a successful business using the same performance building principles of the world's best players. Through my Move the Ball book, workshops, and consulting work, I've used the same system to help thousands of people to think and execute like a pro athlete when it comes to business and branding. Now, I'm on a mission to help you utilize those tools and strategies to elevate your hustle and get you across the goal line. So get ready. It's time to suit up, to show up, and to move the ball. Hey, everyone. It's great to be back with you for another episode of Move the Ball. If this is your first time listening, welcome. And if you've been a part of the Move the Ball movement for quite some time, welcome back. I'm glad that you are here with us today. As you all know, on this podcast, we talk about business, branding, sports, and of course, how to move the ball. Two things before we get into today's episode. If you have not already done so, be sure to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. I talk about this all the time. So if you have not done it, do it today. And also, if you have not yet joined the five-day virtual networking challenge, make sure that you do that as well by clicking the link in the show notes. Yes, it is free, and it's one way that you can be on your way to moving the ball, because we know that your network is how you create opportunities, and that's really how you get to do amazing things and really move the ball in business and in life. So for today's episode, I've got an incredible guest with us. I've been bending his ear for a while to come on the show, and he is, I'm going to say he's my favorite wide receiver from Fresno State who played for the Chicago Bears and the Minnesota Vikings. I know how you like how I qualified that. We always got to qualify. Yes, sir. (laughs) Inside the huddle with us today and ready to help us to move the ball is none other than Bernard Berrien. Bernard, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Jen. How are you doing? Thank you for having me on. Yes, I'm so excited. As I mentioned, I've been talking to you about this for a while, so I'm glad that we're able to do it. And just to share a little bit more about your background, I mentioned that your retired NFL wide receiver played college ball at Fresno State. You were drafted by the Chicago Bears in the third round of the 2004 NFL draft and played four seasons with the Bears, then moving on to another NFC North team, playing for the Minnesota Vikings for three seasons. Currently, you coach football. We'll talk about that. And I know you're involved in a number of businesses, which we will also discuss on today's episode. Are you ready? Let's go. All right. And one thing, so this season, I've kind of been, you're always looking at like, how can I improve? How can I change it up? How can I do things differently? I've been working on kind of sharing more little fun facts about my life. And something you know, B, is that when I wrote my Move the Ball book, I didn't know anybody that played pro ball. But this is what you don't know. So my very first NFL player friend actually played at Fresno State, was a wide receiver. Yeah, see, you didn't know this. Was a wide receiver, and that person was Devin Wiley. And so Devin was my my first friend, great guy. We're still friends today. So I'm going to give Devin a quick shout out. But fun little fact that you didn't know, nor did the audience. So let's talk about you playing football. You were like many pro athletes. You were a multi-sport athlete as a kid, played football, basketball, track. One thing I like to ask guys that have played sports their entire lives or ladies as well is what is it about being a competitive athlete that you learned that helped you to be successful throughout everything that you've done in life? Being competitive and being an athlete, it really helps you, especially with success later on in life. In the competition arena, the things that you're 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 kind of forced to to do and forced to grow and to become a I guess an adult or in your adolescence years the things that you're forced to kind of see forced to reckon with forced to deal with 
they kind of catapult you into adulthood a little bit. And you don't really realize it as an adolescent or as a child. So when you get there, you find out that this arena or whatever it is profession you're in is really, really almost identical to any athletic sport you you were involved in because you're dealing with people. You have to be able to manage different people, different egos, different mentalities, different mindsets, different personalities, all in the same little arena or same office building or same classroom. So it all and you learn how to work with people. You learn how to work with different type of people and suit those different aspects and, and, and different personalities. So it's it's very easily translatable to any atmosphere just because of the competition. I think I feel like it kind of establishes a confidence about yourself that most people don't really have or most people don't really learn to foster and to build upon as they get older because they haven't been really forced in in, in a competition type arena where it's not really forced competition. It's There's competition in the business world, but it's not the same as athletic competition or is, is where I'm trying to go with it. It's a little bit different. There's a little bit a different aspect to it. It's more, I don't want to say it's more focused, but it's, I feel like it's a little bit more limiting. You don't expand as much as you do in, as comp- competing in athletics as you do in the business world or I guess e- economically. And you mentioned confidence. I mean, we know that confidence is so important in everything that you do. And those that tend to be high performing in whatever setting tend to be those that exude confidence in what it is that they're looking to achieve as well, which I think is something that that I also learned being a competitive athlete very young that I've taken throughout my life as well. So let's talk about you playing ball at Fresno State. Talk to us about what was your college football experience like and share with us what was your most memorable game? My college football experience, I love I love playing at Fresno State. It was funny going into Fresno State. I didn't really, wasn't really too sure about the decision. At first, it was, it was, you know, being in California, you're always hearing about USC, UCLA, or Oregon. Matter of fact, sometimes you hear a lot of times Oregon, Stanford. You hear about the big schools, the Pac-10 schools, or I don't even know what the leagues are now, or the conferences are Pac-12 or whatever it's called now. You're always hearing about those. So when I finally made my decision to actually go to Fresno State, it was still kind of... Ooh, I don't know, because it's a smaller school. You don't know. My goal is always to get to the NFL or be a professional athlete. So you don't you don't know like where your path is going. So it's kind of there's a little fear involved. But that's another thing. There's always fear involved. But I think being an athlete and being in, in competitive nature and having a competitive nature, fear is something you're always faced with. And being young and facing that fear and you kind of establish good habits that allow you to, when you get older, like you said, in different careers, when that fear is came, you've already faced this before. This is something familiar to me. So I know how to adjust to it. Sure. And so let's talk about your memorable game. The memorable game, I would have to be, it was actually one of the first games I was involved at Fresno State. It was against TCU. We were playing, it was the days of Danian Tomlinson, actually. And uh, they were ranked. I want to say they were ranked in the top 20 at the time maybe somewhere closer to 25. They were just breaking in. And then I think it was for the WAC championship at the time. We were, we were both playing for the WAC championship. It was a home game. It went down. I hardly played in the game. I don't think I've, I've touched the field too much in that game. It was my, my first season. I was kind of back up and just spelling people if they get tired and stuff like that. And uh, I found it went to overtime and we, we pulled it out in overtime. I think it was a game field goal winning kick the crowd went crazy fireworks going off of the game but it was that was one of the the most exciting games I think I've been involved with at Fresno State you made me think of something that I want to ask you about college guys now 
people are playing the decision on what school you should go to. You know, with, with social media and technology, it's a lot easier to be visible at a smaller school as well than it was you know, decades ago. So what advice would you give to kids as they're evaluating coming out of high school and trying to decide where do I want to go for college or even you know, signing their, their intent letters? Like, what advice would you give them as part of the decision-making process? What is the best situation for you? That's that's the only thing I can I could really really say. What is the real best situation for you? Because now nowadays with the access to to everything and to to kids highlights and being you don't have to go to a big school anymore. You don't have to go to this big school. I know a lot of people, a lot of recruits always talk about the competition level, but if you got talent, they're gonna find you. <laughs> now and now it's it's even easier to find you. So with the things like huddle and just YouTube videos and everything. There's seven on seven passing leagues. There's, there's this camp, there's that camp. There's no, almost, I feel like there's no possible way. If you're good, they're going to find you. So there's no possible way not to be seen. You're not going to slip through the cracks. There are going to be some people that kind of slip through the cracks or whatever, but for the most part, you're, you're pretty much good. So it's, it's really pick the best situation for yourself because you're, you're, you're playing for you. Great advice. And, you know, we've seen over the years that I think nowadays people that are, I mean, the goal is to obviously make it to the league, right? That was your goal to make it to the league. That's goals of guys playing today. But I think kids now are more aware of how the NFL is a business. It's not just about playing football and playing pro ball. It's about, okay, I'm going to play pro ball, but that's not my identity. I do this as my job, but at some point I've got to move on to something else because the game's not going to last forever. So when you were playing ball in college and making that transition to the league, were you thinking about the NFL as a business or were you just focused on playing pro ball? Yeah, no, I, I going into, I kind of knew you always have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's, you know, we got to switch mindsets now. It's just, as a business. You got to, you got to be professional, you know, step your game up a little bit, but more on, I would say about 75, 80% of it was more still on just playing the game. Because when you find out later on in your career that it is a business, you find out and you start to see it because you're start, you're involved in things and you more knowledge you get, the longer you're in it, you start to find out things that you wouldn't know before when you're a rookie. Just being seasoned in that it comes with being a veteran. You start to find things out that you never normally wouldn't know. And with that, you start it starts to shift almost a little bit. And that's the trick for longevity is, is, is not really shifting the mind and, and body to business is still making it seem like it's just a game. So what advice would you give to guys that are in their rookie season or early in their career to extend their longevity in the league? Find, find, find games within the game. Because you get to a certain point where it almost seems like it starts to get bored. Don't ever get bored. Don't ever let complacency set in. Always find another game or another way to challenge yourself. I'm from Chicago, as you know. Talk to us about what was your first season like as a rookie in Chicago? What were some of the great things culturally? What was it like playing for the Bears? That kind of thing. I loved it. My first season, I loved it. Like I said, it was, uh, I love the city going there. I met some great people. My neighbors, I moved in next to her. My neighbors are great. I've spent a lot of time at their house. We had a lot of fun times. Just like I said, it's a Midwest, Midwest city. The, the people are different than California. You know, everyone, everyone says hi. Everyone says hello. We don't have to know each other to say hello or anything like that. It's just walking by, waving hi. They're not afraid to greet people. The city, the architecture is, I almost want to say, is like second to none. You know, you walk around the city. It's a city I love to walk around. 
get out to no matter how cold it is. And we were on before I mentioned, I said, I tell everybody, you know, if Chicago wasn't so cold. I would, I would definitely live there. Yeah. It's a, it's a great town. There's lots to do. It's a walking town, which I love as well. It's, it's a, it's a great place and it's got loyal fans, very, very loyal fans. <laughs> For sure. You were in the league for many seasons. We know that you know the, the average duration of an NFL career continues to decrease. It used to be 3.2 years. Now it's about two years. So you certainly exceeded that career average lifespan. What is it that you did that you think made you elite at your position and just helped you to continue to be successful longer in the game? It's like I said, it's just always challenging yourself, always finding a way to get better. That's that's the only thing I could do. I remember being a little kid when I was a little kid and playing and to find out to get better because I used to get bored when I was playing. So it was like, I hate to say it was too easy because people like to think, oh, you know, ego thing. But it really was playing like sometimes. So what I would do is instead of like coming up and, and making a defender miss, I would try to make you miss the way I wanted you to miss. So that that's the game I would play. And like, let me see how I can shake this person. Let me see if I can make him move left. Let me see if I can make him move right. Let me see how I can get around this person. So it's just little things like that. Cause there's like I said, there's gonna come a point where it's like, okay, well, what I what what I do next? Like Tom Brady, take Tom Brady, for instance. What do I do next? How do I challenge myself to stay at the pinnacle that I've been at and perform at this level? So you ended up playing in the Super Bowl against the Indianapolis Colts back in 2007. Talk to us about what that experience was like playing in Miami against the Colts. Obviously, we know the outcome, so we don't need to talk about the outcome. But what what was that like? And did you train any differently to be in the Super Bowl? Yeah, no, I think preparation was, was always the same. Going in, you know, do what you do. Take care of business. Do what you do. Do what, what got you there is basically... Don't try to do anything different. It's, I know it's a it's a big game, but don't try to do anything different. Don't step outside the framework of what you know. You know, just do your job. That's always a, always a, do your job. You take care of you. Everything else is going to be good. If I take care of me, if that's a, if it's up to me, it's to be. That's what we try to live by. It's not going to be my fault. There is an I in team. There is definitely an I in team. It's not ever going to be my fault. And that's what you want each individual on your team to collectively say. Because if everyone does their job, everyone takes care of their part, collectively as a whole, it's a chain link. There's there's no kinks. There's no breaks. It works. So just I always just try to say, you know, do what got you there. So you played for the Bears from 2004 to 2007 and then went to the Vikings for the rest of your career. Every team has its style. Every team has its culture. How was switching from the Bears organization to the Vikings different? Oh, that's a great question, actually, Jen. I don't want to say how, well, yes, yeah, definitely how things are ran or for sure different because different organizations are going to do different things in the way they approach the game for sure. I just, I think being in those two places, there weren't too many differences because of the style. Being in NFC North teams, I feel like that style of football and the, the type of people that Midwestern atmosphere is always kind of, they correlate, I guess, well, or they run to, together well. And being in those organizations, like I, I enjoy both of the organizations. They're great, great people. Some of the people I still talk to now to this day from both organizations. So it's really, really hard to differentiate between the two because I, I liked them both. I really did. I like Chicago's a little bit better. Yay. Yes, sir. <laughs> all right. That's, what we that's, what, that's all we were waiting to hear. So let's talk about November 30th, 2008, a game against the Bears where you're with the Vikings and you ended up catching a 99-yard touchdown pass from 
Mr. Ferrat, who was also on my show before. So shout out to Gus. So you ended up tying an NFL record for the longest pass from scrimmage. How, how did that feel for you? Oh, it was great. It was a little, little sting, little punchback, little, little bit, because I, I didn't want to leave Chicago. I really didn't. I wanted to stay. I wanted to finish my career off in there. I'm a 49er fan, but I actually, when I, once I got to Chicago, being there and being with the organization, like I didn't want to leave. It was a great town. Like I said, the city was great. I really love the group. I really love that city. The fans are, are second to none. Everyone talks about Philly fans and things like that. I'm like, I don't know. Chicago give you a run for your money on fandom. Just being there, it's great. I don't know. It's 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 really still hard to say and put it into words. I, I I'm ecstatic about it. I know you post that that highlights um too. So it's it's always good to relive those uh, moments from back in the day. Wish you were a bear during that time, but yeah, I think one of the best one of the best things about it is the situation that we're in and how it came about because it wasn't just the 99 yard pass like the plays that led up into that the defensive stand we were what in the minus five i want to say almost the minus three for all four for all four plays on that goal line stance and then coming in and me being me is is what's funny about this this 99 yard play is all my life since i want to say like about the eighth graders when we first started practicing seventh eighth graders when we first started practicing that situation of being backed up on the one yard line in every single level, high school, every single level, every single coach always just, I used to tell them, you know, the easiest way to get this over with, right? Just chuck it down the field. Let me go get it. in this over. We'll get this over with quick. It's the fastest way to score. So finally we get every single level, two minute drill, same thing. I'm like, man, I know you guys want to run this situation and try to go through the situation, but we can get this two minute drill over and win the game pretty quick. Just throw it to me downfield. I'll meet you in the end zone. So we get we finally get to the situation in Minnesota. We're in a timeout. I'm not saying anything to the coaches. I've always said it during practice. When we go through it in practice, yo, let's get this game over with. Just throw it up to me. And then finally we get to the game and we're in the huddle. We're coming out of the timeout in the play call. And I hear the play call and I was like, what? I literally like shit my pants. <laughs> <laughs> literally, my face froze. They're like, hold on. He called what I thought he called. Like, because usually you don't never, ever get this opportunity. Sure. Like, coaches hardly ever call it. So when he called the play, I'm in the huddle. Guys, please do not jump off sides. <laughs> we jump off sides, they're scrapping this play. I already know. It's, it's always how it works. So I'm like, please don't jump off sides. Please don't jump off sides. We get into it. They call it. I'm running down the field. I take off. I'm running down the field. Peanuts cover me at the time. And the way Peanut reacts, I was like, oh, they threw the ball. I thought they threw it the way he reacted. I thought they threw it to where he reacted. And I hear all of a sudden, I'm looking over that way. I don't, I see no ball. Then I hear crowd. Like usually you can't hear it, but they started roaring. So I look up in my direction and ball's coming. I put turn on the jet. <laughs> Go get it. And then the old story's over and end up with a record. So Awesome. That's a great, great story. And I know you love telling that story too. <laughs> So let's talk about you transitioning out of the league. The time has come and you're hanging up those cleats. What was that transition like for you? A lot of guys, they, they struggle with that. Did you struggle at all with that transition or was it pretty smooth for you? No, it was actually really, very smooth. Being a veteran, you can tell when things are starting to shift, they're starting to give you that nudge on out the door. So instead of doing that, I wanted to be prepared for it. So about two years before my career ended, I started an MBA program at George Washington University and did my MBA there and just wanted to make sure that it was, it wasn't really 
to get it because I was already set. I knew when I'd be retired, I wasn't going to have to work or do anything. Any That was always the plan going in. I always wanted to come out and not have to work. If I wanted to work, it was always going to be on my terms, going to be working for myself. I'm not going to be working for anybody, anything like that. And I'm going to do, be doing what I want to do and eventually get involved with, with what I want to get involved with. I wanted to have that freedom because during college, I had a child during college and just the time, you know, I was in the city that she was in and still missing that amount of time. So when I got to the NFL and being away, I was like, this is, I can't, I can't live with this. I, I can't be away from my child like this, you know, half the year flying in for games and having to go back. Like it just wasn't for me. So I was like, when I'm done, I don't want to have to go back and have to work and put my situation myself in a situation where I have to be working again. So I wanted, I wanted the time freedom. So now that I have it, basically it was just the going to get my MBA. It was just for, just for legitimization really is that, you know, if I want to go into businesses, I have, you know, the proof and product to show that, you know, I put the time and, and effort in to, to actually do the work. And let's talk about what is it that you're doing now? I know you're in process of getting some certifications and uh, on your way to building a phenomenal business. So talk to us a little bit about what drove you to go in the path that you're, you're doing now. So now I'm being a financial advisor. I'm teaching financial literacy and, and building brokerages throughout the nation. Basically, shoot, I'm already in, I just started about what, three, four months ago. I'm already in three states for sure, about to be in four. I've always been on, on financial literacy. It's always, it's the only way that lower class to middle class people are going to elevate their situations economically is through financial literacy. And I've always, I've always been on that topic. I've always been huge on that. And I was at a football game, at a Fresno State football game. I was on my way out, actually. I was getting ready to leave. And I just happened to run into someone that I played with when I was at Fresno. And he had played receiver with me, too. And the funny thing about him is when he was at Fresno, he was always kind of like the mentor guy anyway, because he was he was older. I was a freshman coming in, 18, 19 year old kid. He was already 25, 26, been to the military, had two kids, wife and everything, family already established already. And then came back and he got back into Fresno because he was running track for the military. He was offered a scholarship, but he also wanted to play football as well. So. Fresno was the only place that would allow him to run track and play football. So that's how he ended up here. But he was always, you know, he was always that old guy, like a little wiser, kind of mentor type type person, always while we were in college. And I just happened to run into him at this Fresno skate game that I went to on the way out. And I looked, I looked, leaned over. He can't, he doesn't recognize me. He didn't recognize me anymore. I'm slender, smaller now, the hair's different. So I leaned over and I was like, Ron, how's it going? And he looked at me confused, like, you know, who's this kid? <laughs> Who is this kid? And then I told him, I said, you know, it's Bernard. And, you know, he got excited, you know, jumped up, wife, you know, to grab the wife and kids. You know, it's Bernard, it's Bernard, it's Bernard. And came down and talked to me. And he was like, no, let me come talk to you a little quick. So we started talking and conversing for a little bit. He just asked me, you know, what are you, what are you involved in? What are you doing? And I started listening off the stuff I was doing. I was like, I'm, I started coaching. I've been coaching for the last two years at Buchanan. Started a, a, a football program, football and cheerleading youth program. You know, it's got about five teams. It's ranged from ages five to 14. We're making it all free for the kids. You know, going out, I'm going out and doing fundraising. We're getting school supplies for the kids, backpacks, travel gear, uniforms, three different types of uniforms, gear to wear to the games, practice gear, stuff like that. So I was like, I've just been fundraising. And then one of the other things I was trying to do, I was like, I was, like, I was trying to start a, a, a nonprofit. I have everything written out, ready to go. 
and then I'm just just waiting to implement it or looking for a platform where I could implement it. And one of the factions that I had within this nonprofit was financial literacy. And as soon as I brought that to his attention, his light, light bulb went off, Lichter, and he was like, oh, you know, well, we, we need to talk. And I was like, well, what you talking about? He's like, no, brother, we need to talk. So I was like, well, let's holler at me. So, so we sat down a little bit more. And then he told me, he's like, well, that's what exactly what I'm doing is I'm teaching financial literacy right now. And I said, oh, really? He said, how's that? And he started explaining to me, he's like, you can go through, you get you through this, you can get your license, we pay for your license. As soon as he said that, you know, there's there's a lot, it's, the financial industry is, is a, it's called the T-Club, it's a trillion dollar industry. So money is, it's, it's there. That's one an option. As soon as he told me we pay for your licenses, I was sold. So I said, oh, because I, I've, I've had financial advisors, I've been in MBA, I've been in school, I've been around money, I've had money for a long time. There's things I know you can do when as soon as you get those licenses that other people can do. So I was sold on it then. And I was like, ha. Huh. And then he started telling me, he was like, yeah, we teach financial literacy too. And then I was like, well, sure. Tell me about how you teach it actually. And then he showed me and he said, this is what we do. This is how we go through. This is what we do. We compare, we do comparisons. We show people, you know, this insurance and that insurance. We give people real examples of this and we teach, we tell people why this is bad or why this is good for them or or why you shouldn't have this as opposed to this, or this is better than this. If you do want to do this, make sure you have, have, have a foundation and that can be your icing on the cake. It's just little tidbits that's practical and it's every day. Most of the information, you can't get in this information anywhere. So that's that's really why I like it and that's why I've been involved with. And uh, whee, it's taken off really. So I love it. I love it. It's actually, to be honest with you, I, I love it. To really, because it's I'm in an arena now, to where I get to pe- compete again. It feels just like football. It feels exactly just like football. What I love about it more is while I was playing football, you know, I did things charities. I was um, a Feeding America member. I was on the board, the athletic board for Feeding America. I had my own turkey drive during Thanksgiving, things like that. But the impact that I'm making here is. <laughs> 10,000 times more than the impact I was making playing the NFL. So this is, this is, this is like, this is my Super Bowl playing here and being around here. This is, it's, it's exhilarating. It's a thrillful helping people and managing people and putting them on the right path. Like it's, it's just way more impactful and, and, and I love it. We can hear that and you talking about it. I mean, you and I have talked about it for quite a while over the last couple of months too. And so I know you're definitely in your element and enjoying what you're doing and making an impact which is important too. I want to take you through my two minute drill, but before we do that, tell people how can they learn more about your business? Do you have a website or where can they link up with you? Really? Uh, it's all through, through zoom. The presentation is about 95% visual. So it's all through zoom presentation. I usually just send out a link. I just hook up with people, talk to them, you know, find out what they're doing, what they're involved in. And if you're interested, we can go through your, go through your financials. And, and check them out. And it's all just through Zoom. Really, it's really simple, really easy. Perfect. And we'll put all of your social media information into the show notes. So that way people can reach out if they're interested and have a conversation with you. There you go. Perfect. What I want to do now is take you through my two minute drill, ask you some fun questions. Are you ready? Let's go. All right. First question is when you were 10 years old, what did you want to be when you grew up? I wanted to be Michael Jordan. Yes, I figured you would say that. <laughs> Next question is, what three words would you use to describe yourself? Mm, what three words would I use? 
to describe myself. Unrelenting, competitive for sure. I don't know anything else but competition. <laughs> and caring. What is one thing most people don't know about you? I would say born in Spain, but you can Wikipedia that, even though they have the wrong place on Wikipedia. But I would say I was a drum major. Oh. Most people don't know that. Yeah, I was in the band for sure. But I not only was I in the band, I led the band too. Wow. Did not know that. Learned something bing, new. Bing, that, that baton, <laughs> I'll tore the hell out that baton. <laughs> <laughs> you have no idea. I won every competition I was in but one. <laughs> Interesting. I'm going to have to see some pictures of this. <laughs> oh, yeah. Could just grab me a stick. Toss me a stick. I'll tore the hell out of broomstick, anything. <laughs> All right. When I'm out that way, I'm going to have to see this. Challenge accepted. All right. Next question is, if you had one intro song played at your public appearances, what would it be? There's so many great songs. Mm. I love this song. I used to play this song every every uh, football game while I was warming up. So if Eminem, Lose Yourself. How about what book are you currently reading or what podcast are you currently listening to? What book am I currently reading? Securities S.I.E. <laughs> SIE Securities, Capelin Securities study exam. That's what <laughs> I don't know if that's one that I'm going to be reading anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely need to. Next question is you're hosting a dinner party and you can invite three famous people, living or deceased. Who would you choose and why? Three famous people, living or deceased. Muhammad Ali's one. I would love to see Bob Marley. And then someone like Hannibal Barca. Someone, yeah, I need someone to conquer the world, something like that. I need, I need someone there. Hannibal Barca would be a good one. Yeah. Okay. Hannibal Muhammad. And who else was the third one? Who was the other one? Oh, Bob Marley. Oh, yes. Bob Marley. Yes. There you go. Three interesting choices for sure. And my last question is Do you sing in the shower? I definitely sing in the shower. Are you good? Let's ask the people in the shower. <laughs> <laughs> the people in the shower. <laughs> no, I think I think I'm good. Yes, I'm going to say yes. There you I go. Speak, I never speak negatively about myself. That's what matters. All right. So as we look to close the show today, any last thoughts for our listeners? Face your fears. I like that. I do have one last question for you because sometimes people have called you B twice or California cool. Why? The California, well, it's because I was always laid back. Nothing really, the California cool, yeah, nothing really affected me. I didn't, I've always been the person that was like, it didn't matter what you really did to me. Like, I wasn't going to let that affect where I needed to go. So it was always like, oh, yeah, but no, he ain't, he ain't really tripping on that. He cool. So the California cool, that's where that came from. And then B Twice was just teammates dubbed that one when I was in Chicago, Bobby Wade. That just, it, Bernard Berrien, basically. People didn't like saying Bernard, so it was like B, BB, then it came BB, then it was just B double, so it came B twice, so that's how that came about. It's my favorite number. You see it in the background back there, too. It's only number. When I was little, playing basketball, Larry Johnson had the number. I was, I was yeah. <laughs> Anybody who wore number two, I was, I was obsessed with it for some reason. All right. Well, I appreciate you being on the show today. Thank you so much for coming on. 
And I would again encourage people to uh, follow you on social media, to reach out to you if they want to talk about financial literacy. And again, appreciate you for being on here. All right, Jennifer, thanks for having me. I appreciate you too. And thank you to everyone for listening to today's episode. If you liked what we talked about, please share it with someone else so that they can also hopefully subscribe to the podcast. And again, if you have not yet subscribed, be sure you do that today. All right. Thanks for listening. And we'll catch you next time. Until then, make sure that you suit up, you show up, and you move the ball. Thank you for listening to Move the Ball. To see more about what I'm up to and how I can help you to move the ball in your business, with your brand, or your career, check out my website at www.getinsidethehuddle.com. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and also join the Move the Ball Facebook group for even more content and to be a part of the Move the Ball movement.